Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, the people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level. The ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I have just had the most wonderful chat with, I guess, a long distance friend, Tom Smith, and he is um, the global ambassador for Evo. He has just launched his own education platform during lockdown, and he was one of the first to have his hands on Olaplex in England. So I loved this story and really just a true testament of going out and getting what you want and showing that if you don't put it out there, it's not coming for you. And so Tom started at a salon, Vidal Sassoon in London, and would take the bus and the train and something for a three hour commute each way. And he walks us through all of that and how he began and then how he has now worked for another salon, Billy Curry in London as well, I believe. (laughs) I don't quite know my cities there, but you'll find out when you listen. (laughs) But him working there and really respecting and valuing the people that he works for and then how that progressed into him working for Olaplex and Evo and getting to trial those products and being part of the research and development team. He's a little bit of a hair nerd and loves the science and all of those things and translating that to his experience with his clients and then getting to do the behind the scenes research with Evo and being a part of launching that. I really, really enjoyed listening to him and how it all happened to him because he makes it sound so easy, but I don't think it quite is. I think a lot of it goes with who you are as a person and he is just so lovely. And I have had a pleasure of meeting him and now sitting down and chatting with him. He's in London. I'm here in Australia. So we coordinated this and yeah, I just, I really felt like that was a very relatable conversation for people to see that, you know, if you want it, you go get it. So dive into this episode with myself and Tom, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. All right, we are in action. Today, my guest is all the way from England. I love when I get to record these and set up the time zones, and I'm always like, don't mess up the time zones. (laughs) But this is my friend Tom. Hello, hi everybody. Hello, how are you going over there? It's good, it's, it's bizarre, isn't it, talking to you when you're ending your day just as I'm beginning mine. I know, I've had my dinner, I'm ready. I, I usually do them in the morning, but if I'm honest, I'm more of a night owl, so I prefer this. Maybe I need to ah, start okay. <laughs> having all overseas guests. <laughs> Have all the Brits. <laughs> yeah, perfect. 
Well, I met you while you were in Australia for for work, correct? Like you were here for yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I would love to start as I start every interview with how you got into hair and if it was something that you always wanted to do. And then it will kind of lead us on the path of how you and I cross paths and you being over here in Australia and all of that. But I always love to know how it started for everybody and if they always wanted to be a hairdresser or what happened. Yeah, sure. I um, That's definitely the case with me. Uh, from as young as I can remember, I had this fascination with hair. Um, and I do remember, as I think a lot of hairdressers probably had the same experience of their, their mother taking them to the hair salon when they were very young and being in the environment and watching how it all runs. And I remember even, you know, one of the um, one of my mother's hairdressers uh, had me sweeping the floor when I was, you know, barely able to walk. So, Oh my gosh, what, um, while your mum was getting her yeah. hair done? That's right. Yeah. And <laughs> I remember at the time she was having, <laughs> I know, right. She was having those gorgeous um, blonde and red highlights together oh. that, 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 that was from that, that time. And um, then they become yeah. pink and red highlights if you don't rinse them properly. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I remember sitting and looking up at all of the imagery on the walls, all of the pictures um, and yeah, just being, being really inspired. So that same salon I started working at, after school and on the weekends uh, when I just turned 14. Like so as soon as I was allowed, as soon as they would have me, I was there. Oh my God, how cool. And was that yeah. like, how long did you stay working there? Was that where you were for quite a while? Do you know, I was, I was there on and off for over two years. Okay. Um, and it's funny, the owner of that salon, I don't know. I think she, she saw something in me and she said to me one day, you're not going to be content staying in in Kent, which is where I was in in England. Okay. Um, I'm going to send you to London, and you've got to go get trained by the best. So you've got to go do your training at Vidal Sassoon. Oh my god! Which incredible. was my next stop. Yeah. That's so, so cool. <laughs> How <laughs> nice to I have left. somebody seeing that in you. Yeah. Well, I I think retrospectively now, she probably hoped that I would go up, do the training, and then come back. <laughs> but I never came back. <laughs> That's so cool. And how long have you been hairdressing now? Uh, 15 years now. Oh my God. Where does the time go, eh? Yeah, I know. It's scary. It's the longest I've ever done anything. <laughs> oh my God. And did you love it right away? When I always felt like it's all I wanted to do. And I was like, what am I going to do if it if I'm not good at it? Or like, if I don't love it? Or like, you have this feeling that maybe you have to love it because you have no plan B? Like, did you feel like that? Or was it instant for you? I think I was one of the lucky ones that a lot of it was quite intuitive. Um, I, I do remember there was a period of years where I was, I mean, working, if you want to call it that, like seven days a week, because I was so obsessed by touching hair and creating and I, I would do anyone's hair who would let me um yeah. so I, I was I was lucky that it it came more organically um the things that I had to work on more were things like answering the phone like I was terrified to answer the phone when I first started working as an the phone would ring and I would just go cold with terror that I was gonna have to talk to a stranger but I guess that that comes with, with growing up doesn't it getting more confident with yeah that totally that's something that this industry gives us that I am so grateful for and I think for a lot of people it gives you that confidence right that you wouldn't have maybe had right. and that you can talk to anybody like I've had this call you know the fact that me you and I are doing this right now like you you Thank have you. that feeling of well 
if I can bullshit my way through conversations all day, like I can do that with anyone, you know, like. It makes the world a very small place. And, you know, it's amazing how you are coming across all these totally different, I mean, from a client point of view, totally different people yeah. from such different backgrounds all around the world. You've kind of got access to all the world's best specialists in a way. It's really, hundred uh, yeah, it's really amazing. Yeah, it's a conversation I just had actually with my guest that I just did at the beginning of the week and him saying, I was like, how did you learn like how to open a business or, you know, all these things? And he's like, I have people in my chair every day that are experts in that. And, you know, as much as I'm getting paid to do their hair, that's my hour that I have to pick their brain. And I was like, oh, my God, like, you're right. Like, I'm aware of that. But like hearing somebody say it and be like, you know, you have all these people. It doesn't matter what industry it is. The principle is still the same. And it's true. That's it. And, you know, not only that, but those people that you're talking to and that are kind of teaching you in a way, you've built a really trusting relationship with because they're trusting you to do their hair. And so yeah. certainly when it comes to business, if you're working with contacts that you might have made through that hairdresser client relationship, there's that trust that in all types of business is so important. Yeah, so cool. So when you went to Vidal Sassoon's, was that like an apprenticeship or like, did you go to college? Like I went to college, like how did you kind of go about it and come up and then that'll lead into where you are now? <laughs> yeah, they, um, there's a couple of different ways that you can do it. I did the, that you can pay a lot of money and do an intensive course for 60 weeks, I think it is. Um, or you can do the apprenticeship route, which obviously is where you train as you work and that was the direction that I took and okay. it is some of my happiest memories in hairdressing being an apprentice and an assistant in um in the Sassoon Salon on South Moulton Street in central London uh, which which was the old Bond Street one that relocated okay with like a team of 11 assistants and the yeah. fun we would have in the busy huge salon um yeah so I did the apprenticeship I was there for just under three years in the end Cool. That's like the same vibe as mine. Kind of. It was like the it place to be like, was that the salon that people were like, Oh my God, you work there. Like it was, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. Time. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I loved it. I was always like, I can't believe I work here, you know? Well, and it London, was kind of like, sorry. No. And in London, it must be like, you know, it's so big and I don't know. I've never been into a yeah. salon in London before. So oh well you're gonna to have to come over to London we're gonna to have to change that <laughs> no problem as soon as the borders are open I'm everywhere oh tell me about it oh, um no because I was it was like the 16 year old kid kind of going into London for the first time starting this apprentice and um apprenticeship sorry and at the time apprenticeship wages were 320 pounds a month so that's like six seven hundred australian dollars a month oh my God. Um, on an apprentice wage so it barely covered my uh my travel so i had to get commuter coaches which meant getting up at 6 a.m every day three hours on the on the road driving into central london from my family home where i still lived um during you know your normal day i used to get off the commuter coach down by the river and walk 20 minutes up to the salon because i didn't have the money at the time to get on the tube oh um God. and then you'd finish the early at least you'd finish at about 4 45 p.m and then again three hours back um to get home eight o'clock every night so oh at the time it was all that I knew but I was just obsessed with the buzz of London um mm -hmm. and at the time I looking back now I don't know how I did it but I loved it that's so funny I say the exact same thing so I did the college route but I still worked in a salon 
kind of as an apprentice then, but I went to school. So I would do the same thing. I'd get the bus at 7.30 to get to, I had to take two buses to get to my college. And then I would do that from nine to five. And then I'd get the bus to the salon and I'd do that from 5.30 to 9.30. And then my dad or my mom would pick me up and that was like a half right. hour back home. And it's like, now I'm like, what the hell? And I worked Saturdays too. And I, same as you, loved it. There's something about the creative industries and ours specifically where there's such an energy and you thrive around being with people and creating constantly every day. It doesn't yeah. drain you in the same way that I think I imagine it would be like working at a computer all day or yeah. writing for a job or, or, or something that, that is perhaps seen as less creative creativity with your hands. Yeah. Um, it makes us do crazy things, doesn't it? And we all work so hard as hairdressers, but it doesn't feel like work. It's something that I found interesting from these interviews that it reminds me like, oh, I did that too. Like, and it seems to be that the people that I'm talking to who have kind of maybe taken their career to the next level, it's because we started this way and we have this in us and some people don't and it doesn't make them less, but it's just the, the people that I'm talking to, I'm starting to realize it's a common thing that we all seem to have this like excessive obsession with the career <laughs> I think that's true but I think it's probably the same for any industry isn't it you know you yeah. have to you know what is this thing you have to eat sleep and breathe your your passion and your your drive and do it to the point yeah. where it doesn't feel like you're working and now where do you work now like are you still working for someone or are you a rent-a-chair I actually don't know so I'm curious yeah, it's. Uh, I work uh, in the same salon that I've worked in for the last nine years now, which okay. is why I went after Sassoon's. Um, it's an independent boutique salon called Billy Curry um, that's yeah. based in Marlebone in London, which is quite actually very close by to South Moulton Street where I was working at Sassoon. So I kind of went into central London and stayed right there. I okay. loved that real kind of as close as you can get. And is that centre. like, I don't know what you'd call it, like downtown or something like we don't say um, that in Australia, but at home you'd say like downtown Toronto, which is like the city. So I guess the only comparison I would have maybe would be like in, I'm thinking about Manhattan and New York. Okay. And I suppose Marlebone would be a bit like in the village. Um, okay, cool. Where, yeah, it, kind of West London we're in, which is like the, more like being in the village. And then East London would be more like Brooklyn. Um, so okay. yeah, we're definitely kind of in the the kind of more affluent, shopping center of the of the of London but you've also got the kind of people that live there and the people that live there it's an expensive place to live so yeah, <laughs> you get a okay. certain type of person that lives gotcha <laughs> I've loved actually seeing because I was all confused because I thought you guys were closed right now and in lockdown and all this stuff but I've recently seen on my Instagram from all the English salons that I have posting like their shop front windows with like their wreaths and the garlands and the lights and I'm like oh my god I love that like that's so that's right yeah, that's so London to me. Don't you I'd like the the shops like that? And like, that's Christmas. Well, Christmas so dark, in Australia is year. not like that. <laughs> no, we, we have no daylight this time of year. You know, it gets dark at 3 p.m. So all the twinkly Christmas lights are the only light that we get. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we opened. Uh, this is the first week. We've just finished the first week that we've been open. Oh, so you've been back for a week um, After now. a month's okay. lockdown. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've been there for nine years and when I started working with them, they they employed me to kind of help grow the colour side of their their business because both of the owners are 
um, kind of hairdressing royalty, certainly in London. Okay. Um, they were both very senior at Sassoon's. Debbie was the uh, was leading education at the um, Academy in London, Debbie Curry, and Billy Curry was one of the senior creative directors um, and he was based in the Sloan Street Salon. So oh. between the two of them, they're this kind of uh, cutting powerhouse. Um, okay. And they started their business, uh, but didn't have someone to kind of... Uh, lead the the color which was the reason I left so soon and, and took that role with them because obviously it's a an amazing opportunity to be really part of something smaller yeah as soon as you but I was always drawn to the slightly more independent boutique kind of family style so uh, cool running and are you employed by them like you um like you don't rent a chair you're not an independent you don't not an independent operator you work for them yeah, I definitely work with them. It's it's slightly more complicated than that because okay. I've been there for nine years. So when I first started with them, they employed me. Um, and as things progressed and I was doing so much more work internationally, uh, the contract got adapted and adapted. And we found a really unique way of working together that wouldn't have been able to happen had we not built that trust and the foundation of that relationship. Yeah, because the you were there years. from the beginning. Right, exactly. Oh, so cool. we've got a really, a really, really great relationship. And that's one of the single most important things that I think uh, hairdressers can really learn and grow from is having a strong relationship with the people that they work with on a day-to-day basis. It's, yeah. you know, so much of what we do is about working as a team and about relationships and about networking. So yeah, I totally. Really, I mean, look worked at us. hard to build that trust. Well, that's yeah. it, right? <laughs> yeah. I love that aspect the of the career, the social aspect, not just in like a party way, but in a, genuine meeting people who you like and want to chat with and everybody's so open to sharing and doing that but I agree that it's really important to respect who you're working for and feel respected in return which I think that's right sometimes I mean more often I don't know but more often than not but very often that's not the case and I I think that it's something that I've learned now from being in this industry for a long time that it is a little bit of a rarity and to cherish that when it does happen Something I always say is um, I, I sadly see a lot of people kind of constantly looking around, trying to find greener grass, you know, mm. looking for the greener grass on the other side. But it sounds so cheesy, but for me, it's so important to water your own grass, um, really investing in where you are, working really hard and giving that you're going to grow so much more efficiently than constantly kind of moving around and trying to find a, a, a better fit. Maybe you just need to spend more time pruning your own plants and <laughs> watering your own grass, you know. This is the only plant I've been able to keep alive. So that's why it's in the shot. <laughs> like, what? like you are a plant murderer. There's like 75 plants that are all dead outside. <laughs> I think you're either a plant person or you're not, aren't you? I'm not sure if it's something you can, you can this learn. This one sprouted a leaf and I nearly cried of joy. So I, maybe oh. that's what I need to work on, pruning my own grass, <laughs> whatever the heck it is. <laughs> So when you switch from Sassoon's into the salon that you're in now, and you said you were there to kind of bring the color department up, is that how you kind of got into education or had you been educating at Sassoon's? Like, how did that kind of happen for you that you got into education? Because that's a big part of who you are, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the education, definitely the education side of my career did begin when I went to Billy Curry in a, in a kind of smaller way. Um, but it was actually with the launch of Olaplex that okay. I began kind of properly being paid to teach people. Um, so I guess that's oh, when I want to know all of this. <laughs> it's, it was a really, really exciting time. And 
do you know what was even more exciting was the fact that I kind of had this awareness that it was going to be a pivotal moment in the industry as it was happening I think sometimes it's only kind of retrospectively that you look back and you think wow that was huge but at the time we just knew that it was going to change the industry and change and so the world. how did that happen for you how how did you get that opportunity how did you yeah like did you approach them did they approach you how did it all happen do you know again it's it's kind of relationships because uh I discovered Olaplex I mean I don't personally discover Olaplex <laughs> but I mean, what I mean is- <laughs> I've hit a gold mine here <laughs> I'm taking credit for the entire (laughs) what I mean is um obviously it didn't come to the UK until much later um like a year later after it after it had been launched in the states um in the mesh salon with Tracy Cunningham and um I saw that Tracy Cunningham was posting about something on um, Instagram and I was always very kind of techie at that point and really into ingredients and really into the science and chemistry of of coloring hair and of the hair care um, that I was recommending to my clients. So I felt like I had quite a good understanding of, you know, what you're allowed to say from a marketing point of view and what you're not, you know, you, you can't make false claims when it comes yeah. to creating and selling products. Um, and so I saw this name and, you know, just clicked on it, looked at the website and they're making these claims. And I'm thinking, you're not allowed to make these claims unless they're really, um, unless it's true. Like, you know, the whole reduce the appearance of wrinkles, you get like yeah. around the loophole because it's reducing the appearance of, rather than the wrinkle, the wrinkle itself. It, they're kind of saying uh. it's relinking the disulfide bonds in the hair. There's no way of kind of uh, BSing that. It's, yeah. you have to, it is what it is, right? Yeah, so you're saying like, wow, it, so if it's not deal. true, you're lying. Absolutely, yeah. So they were saying it without try- trying to mislead or without trying to kind of blow smoke and mirrors around. It was, and I was thinking, wow, this is, if that's true, it's going to be amazing. And you couldn't get it in the UK at this point. I was emailing saying, can you send me some? And they weren't replying. I guess they weren't They're thinking about their UK launch yet. Yeah. And I had a trip to Miami coming up. So I was going to be in the States anyway. And I made it my mission that while I was there, I was going to hunt it down from wherever I could and bring it back like a drug mule, smug- smuggling <laughs> it back from the States um, to test it and figure out if it really was as, as good as it looked yeah. like it was going to be. Um, so I did that. I think it was the December or January of 20, December of 2014 or January of 2015. Um, and I brought it back and I was testing it and playing with it and thinking, oh, my God, this really is something new. This is something that's never been seen before. And so it wasn't until six months later that the official launch happened in the UK. And in that time, I would built a relationship with the distributor who um had taken on the account for the uk because so you met I, him oh you made a relationship with the one in the uk the uk distributor yeah uh, yeah so when when we found out who was looking after the distribution for olaplex when it was going to be launched in the uk billy um the owner of the salon and i took a meeting with um the lady who was kind of running running the show from the distributor point of view yeah and uh, just built that relationship and just said, look, we've been working with this for six months already. You, you, you've just got your hands on it, but we've been already, already working know. with it. We yeah. really, really understand it. So if you do need any, you know, anyone to kind of work with you on an education point of view and help get it out further, we feel quite comfortable talking about the product and its limitations. So we'd love to work together. And pretty much straight away, she was like, okay, great. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to ask, haven't you? If you don't ask, yes. you don't get. <laughs> oh my God. I say that all the time. Sometimes I ask too much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well you don't get if you don't ask <laughs> Fair enough. that's how I got you here 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> oh my God. What a cool story. So did you hunt them down in Miami? Like when you went, you found the, just like, that's how you got it. Or did you just buy it at Cosmoprof or like what happened? I, uh, I actually had it delivered to the hotel and I called the hotel ahead and I was like, this is package arriving. It's really important. You need to keep it safe for me. This oh is Mr. God. Smith. I'm arriving on this date. You need to keep the pack. You know, I felt very important and business-like at the time sending my packages to a to a hotel I hadn't done that before but they're basically yeah I just ordered it online and had it sent to the hotel because I oh couldn't God, get it shipped cool. to the yeah it doesn't Love sound that. super exciting when you say it that way but I was just on, on a mission I was like I've got to get my hands on this yeah but it goes pot to of show. liquid gold yeah 100 and I mean look at it now like it's outrageous so you were on to something <laughs> Well, do you know what I'm really grateful for is that we had the, I mean, our salon in the UK was the first salon in the UK to be able to offer it to clients um, and that I know of at least. And it was amazing to have had the opportunity to work with it and offer it and have it while it was exclusive at the beginning and then while it was still growing in popularity. And now it's kind of mainstream and, you know, you can buy it everywhere, you see it everywhere. And I think some people think that that um you know degrades the the, the premiumness of, of the yeah. brand but I don't I don't necessarily agree in this case because it's sort of like the invention of shampoo mm. uh, I mean I don't work for Olaplex anymore by the way so everything I'm yeah. saying is I'm not here to kind of sell you Olaplex this, yeah. is, <laughs> this is this is just me kind of trying to share authentically because it's like the invention of shampoo you can't just keep it for the premium salons it has to be available to the masses because it is a new a new science and new technology and is different to the other kind of bond products out there so i like the fact that it's gone everywhere because you can't just keep it for yeah and it shows that it works i mean it's in demand and it's a good product and all these things so i i totally get that so were you then going to salons as they the salon was purchasing from the distributor and then then you would go on behalf of them to do the education in salon we did a lot more um, centralized education. So we would put on myself um, and a couple of other hairdressers were kind of working with um, Vanessa Boland and Sharon Dale, who are really kind of um, well-respected educators in, in the UK who work a lot with Moroccan oil. Okay. Um, and they were kind of leading the show. And they had us as, as the kind of hairdressers that were kind of there help, helping them as educating and putting, putting stuff out there. And we did platform work where we would have audiences of you know 40 50 60 hairdressers that would come to learn about it and it was it started off being quite sort of technical seminars where I would talk about the chemistry of how it worked one of the others would do a demo of how you apply it like it was um, really quite science-led stuff because that's the way that you have to teach something like that so rather than going into salons we would bring everyone to us and do these big events and um and, and meet lots of hairdressers that way. And then, of course, we had Salon International, which is mm-hmm. the biggest kind of hair convention in, of the year yeah, in totally. UK and possibly even in Europe. Um, and so I, we were we did the official launch. I think it was later that year. In, yeah, it would have been October or something in 2015 that we launched uh, Olaplex at Salon International. And it was by far the busiest stage. It was when Guy Tang was kind of the person that everyone was kind of yeah. interested in because of his Instagram presence and so he was totally. there and that drew a lot of the younger hairdressers from like the you know celebrity I remember that, that in there. New Orleans the same probably the same kind of year and time and same thing he was massive and Olaplex was huge then and I remember we got like little travel size Olaplex in yeah. our bags and it was like <laughs> holy shit like it was so yeah. great <laughs> 
it was like you were at a, a rock festival or something you know like oh it God, was yeah. crowds around you felt like you were a celebrity standing up there sharing it was an amazing thing to be part of and I was kind of pinching myself all the way through like how have I got to this mm-hmm. how have I got here um so yeah that was that was the the first time that I was like okay I'm I'm making progression to the next sort of stage of my career it's not just and did about you what have that share anymore. vision for yourself that you knew that you wanted to be the platform artist or the stage educator or like had you seen that stardom for yourself and then saw it <laughs> happening or was it like happening and you're like oh my god I'm nervous or I, I don't want to do this or I don't know Uh, I was definitely very nervous. Public speaking is not something that comes naturally. And it's something that I still kind of battle to to try to overcome. My angle was always the science and the product and Mm. the the technological advancement of what was happening. And I was like, this is incredible to be able to to do this with hair. Um, And I want to share that information to other people. So it came initially about educating something that I was passionate about, sharing that with someone rather than educating as an umbrella, if that makes yeah, sense. And even now totally. the brands that I work with, I have to have that fire in my belly about whatever it is I'm talking about. I can't just stand up and, you know, talk you through the three points of whatever. It has to have something that really excites me and that I feel is really innovative and, and worth yeah, sharing. I totally agree. You can't sell. And even I find that with selling products, say in the salon, like sometimes I think clients think, you know, even when you go into, I don't know, any shop and they're just selling you, like, if I don't like the product, I'm actually not going to sell it to you. And I'm going to show you what website 100%. you can go buy Olaplex on. Say my salon now doesn't have Olaplex. And I'm like, eh, I think that that's better. That's what you should be using. Like I can, I would never, and you can't, you can't educate regardless of whether it's product or a hair technique or color, like whatever it is, if you're not passionate about it and you don't understand it, pe- people call bullshit and people can see it. And they can absolutely see how much you love it. Like when you or I talk about something, like you can't fake it, you know? No, I think we forget that we as humans communicate through so many more ways than just with our words, right? Yeah. If you're, you can be saying one thing, if you're not being honest, you're not being authentic, whether the human that you're talking to knows it consciously or subconsciously, if you're lying or if you're not being authentic, they're going to sense it somehow. Um, and I think that if you're not able to be honest about what you're sharing, then you're right. You're in the, you're in the wrong business. I never, I say never sell shampoo, you know, yeah. talk about what, what you love and what you think is going to work for that client and they'll buy it if they want to. It's not yeah. about the selling. Totally. And so let's go into your Evo or unless there's something in between, but like, how did that kind of happen that now you are the global ambassador of Evo, right? Right. Yeah, that's right. I um, Well, it, it came about through Olaplex. There was a very clear kind of um, overlap there. I worked for both of them for a while um, and it wasn't a conflict of interest because they were both doing such different things. Yeah. But whilst um, educating for Olaplex at an event called Colour World in the UK, that one of the guys that helped bring Evo to the UK was there and he came to me afterwards and said, we loved what, what you were saying. Um, can we send you some products? Can you try it and we'd love to work with you basically so at the time they sent me the evo fabuloso pro bottles of custom mixed conditioner you kind of get the and you can add right you can add you know unlimited different shade options and there's nothing really else like that is there like is is there like not that i like every salon that i've been at no matter what color line we used or what product line we carried we always added that on because yeah, no other brand has it. It's just com- something completely separate. And yeah, every everywhere was, I've worked has that. 
yeah this was like four or five years ago now and um it had already been around for a little while and it was the only thing that i knew of at the time that that provided that before that i was putting i was manually putting well a perfect on into yeah you would just kind of be a little alchemist and, and as a colorist you know you're mixing your own and trying to find solutions for your clients um so that really excited me and and now there've been some other companies that have tried to do similar things but i think yeah. the beautiful thing about evo fab pro is that you really get to the, the nitty-gritty of being a colorist you've got the primary and secondary colors in their purest form and you know you can mix and and create something that is limitless so you're, you're kind of not held back by a brand's numbering system you've yeah. literally got your paint box and you can mix it like an artist yeah. and i think it really helps you you get a you grow a deeper understanding of neutralizing pigments and um complementary tones and contrasting tones and all of that so for me it's still the tool that gives me the most versatility as a colorist yeah how cool and so how did that happen from him seeing you on stage at an Olaplex event kind of and then yeah, how fun. did it snowball from there like were you using Evo in your like do you have Evo in your salon now because of your connection or how does that kind of fall in yeah we we didn't have it at the time but after trying the products we all agreed that it was amazing and we wanted to stock it and then that came alongside um, me beginning to work with them as one of their one of their educators and at the time I was already visiting Australia on a on a yearly basis to I have a friend that lives in Sydney and I'd already fallen in love with being in Sydney and then there, there was this brand that was based in Australia and it just felt like the perfect kind of connection and combination they started saying things like yes well we'll do annual education and you'll be taken out to, to Australia you'll be taken out to Adelaide and I was like deal let's do it <laughs> that was kind of the that yeah that was definitely a big um selling point at the time so as well as loving the products it was the idea yeah. that I can have this sort of fit in all aspects of my life as well and I, I I love being in Australia and still do I'm pining after it at the moment where we've not been able to I'm visit for over for a year um and I know that you feel the same because you're you're still there <laughs> I know four years later what the heck so, so yeah, it just felt like the perfect, uh, perfect role and the perfect company to work for. And, and they're still family owned. There's a really short um, chain of communication between me and the top people that really make all the decisions um, for the direction of the brand. So again, a bit like the salon that I work at, it feels like being part of a family and it feels like your voice is heard and that you can help drive the brand in, in, the, in the direction that you all as a team see to be the right one. Yeah. I love that. Now, something that I read in the info that you sent me about yourself was that you really go for a holistic approach in terms of what you're delivering to your guests and all that. So what does that mean for you? And is that what kind of these family ties also have for you in that way? And that's why you like those yeah. brands? Yeah, maybe. I mean, people laugh at me when I say I take a holistic approach because it sounds a bit hippy dippy, but I, <laughs> what I mean by that is you know to treat someone holistically if you go to a homeopath or whatever to treat someone holistically you're not looking at a symptom or you're not looking at one part of their life you're looking at their entire body their entire life and uh, when you treat someone holistically you're, you're looking at the, the the full picture rather than one any one point and I believe that to mm. be a great hairdresser you need to you need to have the same approach or certainly I find value in having the same approach I specialized in color at Sassoon's but was still cutting in my private time while I was at Sassoon's and, and then picked up cutting again 
um, full time in the salon alongside cutting when I coloring when I worked at Billy Curry. Um, I do texture services. I do extensions now. So for me, it's not about being a cutter or a colorist. I have always been driven by the ability to work with an individual and be kind of inspired by someone's personality and create something that is totally bespoke for them. And in order to do that, you have to take a total approach or a holistic approach. Um, and I, I think that all of those elements of great hair have to work in harmony and work together. Yeah. Now you can achieve that by having really clear communication in your salon between the cutting team and the coloring team. So by no means am I saying this is the only yeah. way to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. but for me personally, I don't feel like there's any clearer communication than the communication I can have between myself and my head. <laughs> and then of I course wish I had my that. Client, right? <laughs> Sometimes my wires get crossed. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I found that clients love it as well because yeah. you're not just, you know, providing a service and sending along sending them on their conveyor belt you're building a relationship it's a lot easier to create a long-term journey for their hair and progress it over the over months and over the years so it just really works for me and I, I really enjoy it and I found that the response from clients has been really positive love that so good <laughs> and now you have actually also launched your own education so I would love to talk a little about that. And if that was something like, when did that kind of start coming into your mind? Like, were you educating for these brands being like, I have more that I want to share or placements that are, you know, if I'm educating for Evo, maybe I'm only talking products, but I want to talk color placement or like, were you doing that with them? Or like, how did that kind of happen? Yeah, well, certainly working for Evo, they do very much empower you to put your own uh, stamp on things and they, they want you to teach really authentically and to do that you always share little snippets of the way that you personally work you know you, they, they even allow you to say you know this is how the how it, the brand as us recommend that you use this product but I found that another good kind of off-label yeah. use is this and you know to be creative and to make the product line work for you um, so they definitely encourage that but I just found that there was so much more about just the running of my day and the relationships with my clients and things that wouldn't come up in um, platform work that I was doing for Evo that I, that I felt was valuable. And it, it took some of my colleagues to really push me into doing it because for me, it's just automatic. Natural. It's kind of just normal what I do in the salon. And I don't, I think it's important to try not to compare yourself to others too much. Mm -hmm. So just kind of go along on my little way and that's the way that I like to do it and, and it is but then they push me into kind of sharing a little more detail about um, why I do what I do and how I do it and what the benefits are and then when I really started breaking it down and thinking about it in my head I thought okay maybe I do have something that that might help people and that might be of, of benefit and of value yeah. and if I had someone share this with me earlier on in my career I would have I would have loved that so um, yeah I, it's been a really really interesting project um it's been done and executed fully during a lockdown so that comes with its own challenges we didn't use live models we used the lovely little sally heads that before yeah. then i wouldn't have touched with the barge pole you know coming that's from what zoom, i said too uh we i had to do education during lockdown as well on zoom so not recorded like what you've done but we were doing live classes on zoom and it was meant to be with models and it changed that it had to be on mannequins right. and i was like tapped out like no thanks don't want to do that yeah and then, it's a bit snobby, isn't it? But we're both guilty well, of it. What do I think I am? I should have just been grateful for the opportunity. <laughs> no, I was. No. To be fair, I was. But <laughs> I think that the mannequin heads 
actually work quite well. Like the, what's really the diff of watching me do a play, like there is things, but I, I think it's in, innovative. I was going to say innovative. Is that how you would say it? I think I would say innovative. Innovative. I think I'd say innovative. <laughs> but did, so was it your like bosses and who you work with in your salon that encouraged you to be doing this? It was just kind of my, my peers in the industry. I, yeah. I didn't include the owners um, in, in the beginning because, well, first of all, they're trying to keep their business alive in lockdown. Right. So I didn't want to, I well, had the idea. That's kind of why I'm lockdown. asking. Cause I'm like, I yeah. think sometimes when you're someone who has these big ideas or you don't want it to seem like you're taking business from your employer or that you like are not focused with them or all these things, but it's hard when you have yeah. ideas and you do work for someone else. So I was curious, you know, if they, if that's something that, yeah, was a factor. Yeah. I mean, they're really supportive and they're really good and they trust kind of my judgment. And, um, but I just had this, uh, this need to be creative and obviously in lockdown, you're, you're not able to do that. So I found myself lying awake at night, like my brain just whirring kind of with ideas because I wasn't, you know, working with my hands, like during the day on my clients and there wasn't that outlet for my creativity. So I guess that was kind of, um, the, 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 where it was born, where the idea was like, okay, I'm going to actually do this. And mm-hmm. then I'm the person that once I get an idea in my head, I have to just like laser focus and get it done. There's, um, you know, there's no stopping me. If I've, if I've yeah. got an idea and I've got to the point where I'm sure that it's the right thing to do in this moment, that's it. I'm on the train. Exactly. I'm not getting off. So yeah. I went into, <laughs> went into a bit of a hole for, for the best part of a week. Um, and we shot it all, myself and my boyfriend, who's also in the industry, we shot it together, okay. obviously, we're in the same household. So I had him to really help and support from like a, helping me with the camera angles and the lighting and you know, looking at it behind the camera point of view. But it was done um, without a camera crew, without a studio, because we didn't have access to those things. And I was like, look, we're all in lockdown. This is the perfect time yeah. to be able to share. This is when people are going to be paying attention and listening. Um, and I want to give people something that they can, fill their time with now to to have access to that creativity that I knew that I was missing so much how cool and how did you pick what you were sharing like what you were going to put into it like is there so much more now that you've done it that you're like oh that was easy or not easy but you know that was okay and now I, I actually have this this and this that I think I would share like how did you come up with what you were sharing is it your original yeah I haven't taken it yet, but I'm going to take it. Um, <laughs> I 100% am going to take it. But yeah, how did you come up with it? Like, is I've something I've been having conversations with is about like, you know, if I take a class and now that's the foil placement or the freehand placement that I'm implementing and then I'm teaching, am I actually teaching my own thing? Or like, is am I just teaching what Charlene taught me or who, you know, like how did you kind of pick that to be what you were launching yeah well I um to be honest it was kind of led by my clients because I was I I sat back and I looked at what I was doing on a daily and a weekly basis Mm. and there were kind of common themes that were coming up and by that I mean requests from clients certain things they were asking for that I remember back when they first asked for it that I didn't have the immediate plan in my mind of how I would execute their request um because it wasn't you know classic work or the the modern classics that we're now used to doing in the salon it was kind of something much more bespoke but it was something that was coming up again and again so there were three kind of main looks in the course and a total of seven different techniques 
um, mixed across between cutting, coloring and styling, but they all come from salon work, to be honest, clients being client led, clients are the ones coming in asking for things and I'm very yeah. ready and happy to recommend. But it's that's when you see trends forming and patterns, I think sometimes when um, you're seeing something on a regular basis come up and then it becomes to becomes to be a trend. So that was where the ideas were born. It was things that I found myself doing that I knew I had never been taught, yes. that I knew um, I had never seen before in exactly the same way. And so I decided to put it into words and put it into a technique and break yeah. it down into something that was teachable. Um, and I, I hope it comes across well. I've, I've had some good feedback, so I think good. it does. But, uh, I bet you have. I really think you're incredible. Like now independently. <laughs> yeah, it's scary. It's hard. No matter how confident you are, no matter how successful you are, no matter who you're sponsored by or whether you travel the world or whatever you do, everybody has that self-doubt in them, you know? And I think that from afar, we see people say like you or whoever, and we're like, oh, you know, it's no big deal for them. But it is. And even I've gotten that with the podcast of people being like, oh, how do you just sit there and talk with people? But to me, but to me, it doesn't phase me. But sometimes like before I'm doing it, I do get nervous or, you know, those things. And to overcome that, I think is a really big deal and to be proud of. One thing I've learned um, through teaching on stage and doing platform work is that you never ever appear as nervous as you might feel inside. Mm. So if you're feeling really nervous inside, it doesn't mean that it's translating to the audience. The audience yeah. is just in, in awe of you standing up there presenting and teaching to them. They're not feeling what you're feeling and they're not feeling the butterflies in your stomach and the, the heat in your forehead um, and, and all of that. The rash so, on my neck. Right. <laughs> we all damn have rash. Story. I'm like, I need to go see a specialist about this because this is a real situation. Because <laughs> it just fit anything, any time. Like it's going to happen now that I'm talking about it. But it just happens. And I'm like, I'm not even nervous. I'm not even embarrassed. Right. Like whatever it is. But you're right. Like they don't know that you're no. feeling that way as much as you do. Right. And I think one of the things that helps me is to try to remember that in the moment because it helps to calm you, right? If you're kind of, if you can ground yourself and sort of feel, um, okay, I might be nervous, but this isn't coming across as strongly as I'm feeling it inside, then you can kind of start to relax and slow down and breathe into it. And it it helps. It's still something that I, that I battle with to try to be good at and try to enjoy, um, but it, it, it helps. It helps over time. That's so cool. I love you sharing that. So what is, I guess it's hard to say, what is the next thing when we're in this time of uncertainty, yeah. but like, do you have a next, a, a goal, a, a bucket list thing that you're at, or are you just riding it out? Like, where are you at? Well, the next big project um, is with Evo. Uh, I've been unbelievably lucky over the last two or even three years now, I think it is to be really one of a team of about, I think, five people, if that who have been building a, um, a new color line for Evo. Evo mm. will be launching their permanent color line. I don't know if you've seen it. I know a little um, something about this. I might've had Stevie English on here talking to me about uh, counter liner. Well, it looks like this. Oh my and God, is this the exclusive? <laughs> that's all I'm showing you the for now. I'm gonna get exclusive. <laughs> Thank you. But I was, I've, I've been so lucky to have been really at the beginning of this project uh, down to kind of working with the chemists on the formulas and, and, and the development from the very start. Yeah. So, you know, as a colorist to be part of the birth of a new full permanent and demi-permanent color line 
is incredible and I feel so grateful that I had that opportunity and so the the next big project is going to be the global launch of that it's already kind of coming out slowly in, mm-hmm. in Australia and it will be coming out into the rest of the world through next year and that's going to be my, my main focus from an educational point of view which How is going to be something new and something huge so that is really exciting and I think from somebody who obviously the passion for you is in the science of your products right. whatever you're using whether it's your color or your shampoo or your olaplant whatever it is like that must have been such such an eye-opener like were you were you blown away at how much you learned from that as well and being like oh my god I didn't even know this because sometimes I find you know how no matter how many times I've taken a Wella course or a whatever course I always am like oh I kind of forgot that or that you know like were you blown away at what how how were you able to be on the research team were they educating you or you so, I mean, stuff? by no means was I the ones kind of, you know, by no means was I yeah. in the lab picking and uh, mixing it myself. We I'm had a team of you in a lab coat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we did have to wear a lab coat, I have to say. <laughs> there, was the a brain. Whole, there was a whole outfit. We were wearing PPE before anyone knew what PPE was. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the team of chemists are amazing and so, um, so mind-blowing what they can do, what they can put together. But as hairdressers who were kind of working with them, we would have to give feedback on, you know, the viscosity or how how the coverage is or how well it lifts. Yeah. And we're working on, uh, or, or the reflect and what tone, whether this is the correct tone to be labeled this. And, you know, um, and so that was our main role is giving feedback. And then the chemists would translate our feedback from words into how they would then reformulate and improve and progress the products. Um, and I learned so much and so much about color theory that um, the kind of things that you absorb over the years that mm-hmm. might kind of get Chinese whispered and evolved and sort of move evolve into something that isn't quite accurate. And you kind of get to learn from the source. So that was really interesting. It was, I can't get over that. I've had this opportunity. It was amazing. And do you think it's made you We're a better hairdresser lucky. behind the chair? Yeah, I feel like it has to have. I think as as a colorist, you have to have a strong knowledge of the chemistry and of the science behind what you're doing anyway. Um, but to really have a deeper understanding of, of the the life cycle from the, the birth yeah. of, a, of a color right up until when you wash it off your client's head in the salon is is quite amazing. So it definitely it definitely makes you more mindful about what really goes into what you're able to do. There's a lot that happens behind the scenes before that tube arrives at the salon on, in the delivery yeah. order you'd be mixing much more preciously, you know, my little baby, (laughs) my little baby in the bowl. (laughs) Saving every, every little gram of No waste. (laughs) Yeah, there'd be zero waste coming out of your salon. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm mixing 10 scoops over here. (laughs) (laughs) Our salon's on a real um, kind of uh, sustainability kick at the moment, working with a company called the Salon Collective, I think it's called. Oh, cool. Um, And Debbie Curry, one of the co-owners, she is really driving this um it kind of started with all the ppe that we're using and having to get rid of we're now recycling all of that along with obviously along with um the hair and the foil and everything that we already did um i learned recently that the hair gets put into booms that go into the ocean to absorb oil spills did you know that oh i've heard of it actually i have heard of it but i never thought about it again 
<laughs> yeah, so this salon collective is is helping salons to recycle their hair and their colour tubes and their alum, aluminium foil and everything and the PPE Amazing. now as well. So I mean, I think that's something. so important and it's something that people want. I have clients coming in now being like, can I refill my shampoo bottles? What are you doing? And that's like right. genuinely asking questions about that. And it's like, you know, wherever I work, right, it's not my salon. So some things are out of my control, but I think it is really showing that people want that and that that is what is changing and happening. And also why aligning yourself with a brand that you respect on what they do is really important as well. Well, I think we have to play to our strengths, don't we? And, you know, as hairdressers, we can be creative and the business owners have to manage the business. So to be able to bring in someone whose main focus is recycling and sustainability and all of that, you know, that's their speciality. Work with a company like that who can take the pressure off and do most of it for you. Love it. Anything else that you feel like we haven't covered that you want to share? I mean, I think this is just, I've really enjoyed this. I never don't enjoy it, to be honest, but I <laughs> I just love that. I So many people, no matter where you are, and if, you know, say we're all at the same level of our career, everybody's story is different. Everybody's knowledge is different what they think is important or their story of how they got there and I've just I love hearing it and I appreciate you taking the time to share it oh sit with well, me. I just want to say thank you to you for you know being the the person behind all of this right you're the one that's putting in all the effort to pull all these people together and get this information out there and I've I've loved listening to some of the podcasts of yours that I have listened to and it's been you know it's really inspiring and I'm just grateful that there are people like you who are pulling other people from their busyness and, and focusing us all into, into sharing and coming together. So, so nice. I'm Thank grateful you. To, that you asked me to come on. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I would, I love everything that you do. Genuinely. I love seeing your work and everything that you do. I really enjoy. So I can't wait to one, take the course, but see you over <laughs> here again and, and everything. I think it is important and you're right. Everybody's busy, but what I thought I could really hone in on was the fact that we all had this time this year that we never had And, you know, it's been a challenge, I will admit, going back to work and doing this because, (laughs) holy shit, it's a lot of work. And like, I've missed, you know, a week or two of putting them out because I was doing, you know, 50 hour weeks at the salon and then recording and takes about an hour to do them and then write the, all the stuff and the captions. So I appreciate you noticing it, but I just, I, yeah, I really think that something that we all do as hairdressers is that we love to share and give and I just want to inspire people to strive for if they want it they can get it and I love hearing the background story of how people got where they are and I can't wait to watch what's next for you well that's positivity that we all need in the world right now so thank you you're amazing oh you too well thank you so much (laughs) thanks for listening to this week's episode of the successful stylist unfoiled Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube to get all the notifications of our weekly episodes.